Mary Meet, and welcome to The Pragmatic Pagan. This podcast explores an inclusive pagan path via science-based witchcraft, no deities included. With a focus on nature and energy, this spiritual practice is centered on lunar tides and seasonal cycles. Join me weekly for ways to stay connected and in tune to the universe. And we can stay connected when you follow me on Facebook at A Pragmatic Pagan or on Instagram at The Pragmatic Pagan. Reach out to share your questions or stories. I would love to hear from you. You can also leave a voice message via my page on Anchor Podcasts. Link in the bio. Merry meet all. Welcome, welcome, merry meet all. This week, I wanted to dive into terms like kitchen witch and garden witch to speak to a bit about what those mean and how you might incorporate them into your practice. Witchcraft is, in essence, the connection and relationship with the energy around you, whether through a pagan lens, a Wiccan lens, or any other type of belief system, the essence of witchcraft still boils down to connection and relationship. Some would say that magic focuses on manipulating energy, and I have even said those words, but I want to pause and reflect that this is not wholly correct. It is a relationship, because it is an exchange. You must give in order to receive. When people ask, why didn't this spell work, I often wonder if they considered what the exchange was. Now, this is not to say that we should be offering up sacrifices, especially of anything living in any shape or form, but instead that we must put energy out into the world in order to reap its benefits. So you can't just do a spell and not do the energy raising portion. In addition, you have to put in the practical work, which has its own energy element to it. Even bigger than that, you must find ways to send out that type of energy in all that you do, throughout your life so that you can receive that same type of energy in return. It's about a holistic approach to how you deal with energy. Once you tune your energy into an intent, the energy around you will begin to pick up on this and hum along with you. Think about how this works with depressive or happiness cycles in your life. This is where the magic happens and like attracts like. Now, it's through working with and building that connection to the energy around you that you might learn that some ways of connecting come more naturally to you than others. Certain ways of working with energy may be more fruitful, satisfying, or offer a deeper layer. Witches often find that they are more drawn to one type of practice or another because of their abilities or enjoyment. For instance, if you love to cook or bake, you might find that kitchen witchery is more your style. If you love digging your hands into soft earth, you may enjoy connecting to energy best through plants. Perhaps you pick up on signals from the world around you and divination will give you another way to tune in. Or maybe you find that standing outside on a cloudy day and feeling the connection to the weather, a moving force, is what provides you that energy connection. Even looking above you, the stars and planets offer cosmic connection a way to tune into the energy of the universe, a reminder that we are all just stardust. There are many ways to connect with the energy around you, including just direct connection. 
just you and the energy. My current practice weaves together a myriad of forms of energy relationships, focusing on what feels right for the spell or energy work and what I am finding connection with at that time, dabbling in a bit of most types of practices. You will see that this is defined as an eclectic practice as we get more into defining and naming things, but truly, I think of it as a practice that is a reflection of me. I encourage you to find a connection and build a relationship that works for you. And remember, it takes time and a bit of trial and error. This give and take with the universe is a practice. It is not a one-off, easy-catch sort of thing. Yes, that means dedication and time. And most of all, patience. But looking from a pagan lens, patience is a force of nature, always present, always waiting, always evolving, giving, and connecting. All right, witches, let's talk through some of the ways you might find your connection. This list is by no means a comprehensive list. It is just a get you started sort of list, and I'm sure I have left off more than a few. So please reach out on social media via Facebook or Instagram to share more ways that you practice your craft. So let's begin. Hereditary or ancestor witchcraft is a connection that calls upon your ancestors, heritage, and the collected learned spiritual and energy connection that passes between descendants. This might involve a deep learning and understanding of your heritage. Your altar may feature family relics, symbols, or photos. And your eight high holy days might focus on the drawing of wisdom from your ancestors. A garden witch or a green witch is all about Mother Nature, specifically the flora. Whether you have potted plants or a garden, you might be someone who just loves to get their hands into some dirt and make things grow. You might work spells by growing or planting specific types of trees, flowers, and herbs. Or you might focus more on working spells through your food garden and the gifts that come to bear there. A kitchen witch you can always tell when a chef is also a witch. The energy and love that is transferred via their creations is essentially food magic. From tonics to muffins, from full meals to mixed drinks, this is a great way to share your witchy energy with the friends and loved ones. Divination. This involves reaching out to the energy around you for signs and omens. Pragmatic pause. I know this sounds like a bit of a stretch, and it, it is. It sits just outside of what we can prove, but goes back to the concept that energy interacts with each other. And if you hum an energetic tune and the energy around you will respond. Divination relies on this concept. Now, some view divination through an ancestral lens, meaning they use it to contact the spirits of those who have passed. Others use divination to look the other way to see if the energy can reveal anything about future patterns. But the most common way is to use your divination to provide insight into the now, the current. As far as we know, energy doesn't have a past or present. That comes with consciousness. So it reacts to the now. Again, take it or leave it. Now divination comes in many, many forms, including, but not limited to, tarot and runes, tea leaves, scrying via black mirrors and crystal balls, pendulum work, and many, many more. 
each tradition tends to have a divination method that is often used, so take a peek around. I will also say that many also leave it up to the practitioner and what feels right for you. It has to speak for you, or it won't work. For instance, I can't witch for water or use a pendulum, but I can read tarot. It's all about finding your strengths, which means a fair bit of trial and error. Another popular branch of witchcraft is Wicca, which focuses on the goddess and her three phases, maiden, mother, and crone, via the celebration and drawing down of the moon. Now, this truly falls under more of the religious aspect of witchcraft, of which there are so many, including paganism, druidism, Christianity, and many other religions. Fae, or fairy, bring about another pragmatic pause moment, and I mentioned this in one of my first episodes. Fae, or fairy, is another avenue to practice your craft. The idea centers around pockets of energy that manifest as small creatures on the astral plane. Some will say they have encountered these folk on the physical plane, but I will say that is another take it or leave it. So here's my pragmatic pause. As with my early episode, the concept of fae or fairy can be explained through energy, as small collected pockets that are filled with a particular intent. Our psyche then needs to interpret this energy, and those that pick up on it might manifest it in a way that feels familiar to what they know about the lore surrounding these occurrences. Who's to say? Hedge witches of modern times are actually a bit of a nod to those wise women who lived just over the hedge on the outskirts of town. In this case, it might include spell work through herbs and other household workings. Reading tea leaves might be a divination form used here, and a hedge witch might also incorporate a bit of kitchen and garden witchery as well. The focus is on the wise understanding that derives from the inner workings of house and home. As an elemental witch, your work deeply will involve all four elements, developing relationships with these concepts, both on a practical and realistic level, but also on a subconscious and astral level as well. Perhaps when working with spells, you focus on a specific element or how all four elements find their place in everything that we do. Lunar witches abide by the moon tides, much like this podcast. Following the waning and waxing cycles, we can build our life around these energies using them to base spell work and plant the seeds needed for success. Weather witches feel attuned to the weather, and not just storm days, still heat and cool breezes as well. Weather witches, and many witches in general, tend to feel the energy in the air during storms. But weather witches take it one step further and use this energy during their spell work. By harnessing the electromagnetism of the particles involved in making our weather, you can create some very potent magic indeed. We have been looking to the night skies for as long as we have documentation, a fascination to understand the glowing skies above. Cosmic witches stay in tune with the planetary shifts and incorporate the layers of astrology into their spell work. We do a small amount of that here on this podcast, but you can go further, much, much further. Eclectic witches tend to embrace a non-deity, non-traditional path, whatever that means. In many cases, I consider myself an eclectic witch, a bit because I use many of the techniques and practices that I've mentioned, but also because eclectic mostly means that you forge your own path, a practice that is defined very strictly by your personal beliefs. The last vein of magic I want to touch on is ceremonial magic and the hermetic order of the Golden Dawn. 
This practice focuses on the Western esoteric tradition and includes elements from Rosicrucian, Masonic, Judo-Christian, and other ceremonial traditions. The history of ceremonial magic is deeply rooted in the height of mysticism and secrecy, as well as a deep treasure trove of conspiracy theories. This is on my list for episodes, but it's an in-depth dive that I'm not sure everyone would be interested in. You should let me know. More modern ceremonial magic often focuses on coven work and a progression through levels of training and initiation. While steeped in much less conspiracy, modern ceremonial magic is often a bit of a private practice for those involved, with specific ceremonies tailored toward the practicing coven and their intents. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Pragmatic Pagan. Please reach out with any questions or stories you are willing to share, and stay connected by joining me on Facebook at A Pragmatic Pagan or on Instagram at The Pragmatic Pagan. Until next time, merry meet, merry part, until we merry meet again. Mm-hmm.